me today um, to minister a word to you that really is from our heart to you, but really I believe it's the heart of God. And the reason why I believe it's the heart of God, because I believe it's what's happening in the world today. And so the title of the sermon that I'm, I'm ministering to you today is, is this, is the war is raging, will you join the fight? The war is raging, will you join the fight? And when I make that statement, you, you what war, right? Right now in the world, there, there's a war in Ukraine for sure, but there's all sort of wars that go on and different things of sort. But for us, I was praying and just really felt in my heart that there's a great war going on. And I think it's not a shock when I say what war it is. It's the war for the younger generation. It's the war for the teenagers. It's the war for the children. It's the war for the infants. And it's the war for the generation that's below us. And what my heart's desire is very simply to come to you today is to plea with you from the heart of God to say, will you join that war? Will you be the church of Jesus Christ and fight? Will we, get bound, will we come together and bond and fight for the generation? Because if we don't fight for them, who will? If we don't stand up to the powers of darkness, who will? And the church of Jesus Christ, I would just say this to you, please. Please, let's fight for them. Let's fight for them together. Let's not hold back. We know that the war that they're facing right now is great with a lot of different threats. In many places you see right now is a transgender movement. It's heavy. I was talking to a student from Santa Mall this last week or two, a couple weeks ago, and she was just telling me it's everywhere. I don't know if you know some of the things that go on. They have some things, or they, I can't even remember the name right now. I just forgot it. But essentially, people act like animals in the high schools. Furries, that's right, furries. My next door neighbor, he's a boy who thinks he wants to be a woman and he's a transgender and now he walks around. Just want you to know it's here. The war is upon them and it's in their face. In church, we must do something. There's a war that's upon them where they're putting depression and anxiety and suicide is more, more evident now than ever before in the American culture, particularly in teenagers. I've been working with the youth for years now, and that is one of the number one things I continue to see and deal with is teenagers that tell me they're filled with depression and anxiety. And I just wonder, who's fighting for them? If we aren't, then there's nobody else. Suicide is obviously part of it. Pornography, the war, it's, it's there. Pornography is more accessible than ever before with the devices we have. And not only that, I believe the enemy has waged war against the home in such a way where now we see fatherless homes and in fact, 40% of homes in America now are just a single parent home. 40% of that. The reality is, is the young generation is groping in a world where war has been declared upon them. And I would ask us as a church today, could we answer the bell? And could we say, we'll fight with them. We'll fight for them. Let's stand for them. So this is my heart today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark. We'll go to Mark chapter 10. It's a passage you all know so well. Um, we'll read it, and then I'm just going to ask the Lord to continue to work in us and, and move into our lives. And I'm just going to read these few verses and pull out a few things that God has spoken to me. And this is a word that God has put in my heart, and I truly believe this is for us. And so Mark chapter 10, verse 13, a very familiar uh, set of scriptures that talk about Jesus and the children. And it says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them and laying his hands on and laying his hands on them. And so this morning, I want to do is I just want to jump into this passage. And I believe God has given me some things to say to us to say, this is how we must fight. 
If there is a war, which there is a war going on, this is how we must fight. And I'm just going to give them to you very simply this morning. The first thing I want to tell you the way we are supposed to fight, church, and it's for you to answer. If you want to answer the bell, if you want to hear the heart of God today and respond to it, the first thing that we must do is what we see the first statement of this scripture. In verse 13, you see the statement. You see the statement. It says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. In other words, the first thing, church, we must do is we must bring this younger generation to Jesus. We have to bring them to Jesus. In this story, different depending on which translation you use, it says there's some people brought them. Others will say parents or whoever it might be. But the reality is that we know in this particular scripture that they brought the, the children to Jesus. And the reason why they brought them to Jesus is because they wanted Jesus to touch them. They wanted Jesus to bless them. And, it, and so at this time, it wasn't that uncommon for rabbis to bless children. But in this case, it was unique. Because Jesus was not just another rabbi. He is the son of God. And I'm sure the parents didn't understand all that. They didn't understand he was God in the flesh. But I can tell you this. What they saw in Jesus is something they never saw in anybody else before. And I would just say this to us. What do we see in Jesus that we deem worthy to bring our children to him? What do we look at Jesus and say, his love is so great, I've got to get my children to experience that love. His kindness is so great, I've got to get my children to experience that sort of love. And so these parents recognize the overflow of kindness, compassion, and gentleness, and joy, and love that just flowed from Jesus' being and who he was. They recognize that whatever Jesus had, they, their children, needed it. These parents wanted their kids not just to hear about Jesus but to experience Jesus. And just imagine for a moment how this encounter would change these little children's lives for the rest of their life. Think about that. For the rest of their life, some would be infants, some would probably be toddlers, maybe some were older than that. But could you imagine that moment for those little kids if you took a five-year-old and put them in the arms of Jesus, how that child would remember that moment for the rest of their life. Jesus, the Messiah, loved on them. And as I was reading this, all that could come out to me was this thought, this is what we must do. We must do this. And so I'm going to speak this to two different groups, and really they go together, but it doesn't matter. Two different, a couple of different groups, and the first thing I want to speak to in here is parents and grandparents. I want to speak to parents and grandparents in the sense that we have to take the responsibility that God has given us. And I would say the call and the mandate to do this. That we must be people who say Jesus has given us these children in our lives to bring them to him in every way. And I'm not talking about bringing them to church or youth group or children's church. Those are wonderful things and they are essential. Hear me say it. They are essential to the Christian life. But church is not the answer because the church cannot change you from the inside out. There is only one that can change people from the inside out and that is Jesus Christ. So yes, is church part of the puzzle? Absolutely. But is it the whole puzzle? No. The answer is to get our children not to hear about Jesus, but to have an experience of Jesus. To know Jesus. To really come to the experience of Jesus, not the knowledge of Him. So it can't just be limited to church, but it's getting them to Jesus. What might like this look like? It could look like a variety of things. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. It, I don't want to tell you, now you have to have a worship service every week and, every, and do all these things. You have to hear what God tells you to do to get your children to Jesus. You have to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit so that he can speak to you what you can do. But I can tell you this right now, one thing you can do even now is that you can get your kids into the choir of praise. You can bring your kids into the altar. 
I wonder how many of us parents and grandparents bring our children to the altar. How many of us are teaching them what the altar is? Is it even a reality for you and me and my life? And as I sat before this word and as I was praying, I look, I felt great conviction in my own life. Lord, help me to live this. The truth is, is that the greatest need of this generation that, that is being warred upon by the world is the authentic, real experience of Jesus. I heard a pastor say one time, he said, the truth is, is that the younger generation does not have a lack of knowledge of Jesus. They have a lack of an experience of Jesus. Who's going to give them that experience? Who's just going to say, go figure it out on their own? But here's the truth. We must give them the experience of Jesus. We must take them to Jesus. And I would say this, if we don't have an authentic experience of Jesus ourselves, we will not take them to Jesus himself. We, parents and grandparents, must here have a walk that's authentic, intimately with Jesus Christ himself. So that from that flow, we would long for our children to experience and know him in such a way. We cannot expect to have our kids, you better get close to Jesus, you'll do this. And then we sit there, they don't see us praise. They don't see us worship. They don't see us serve. They've never seen you crack open the Bible. They've never seen you pray for your wife or your spouse. How can we dare ask them to live a Christian life that's real if we ourselves are just saying, you go do it, but I don't have to do it. You realize children learn by seeing Really, all humanity learns by seeing more than, than actually listening. My little son, he loves to work out. You know who loves to work out in the house? Me. He's got his own little five-pound kettlebells. They're blue. He's got a little five-pound bar, five barbell. And he will go in there without anybody telling him, and he will set up his barbell with little weights and his kettlebells, and he'll start swinging them. I have videos, and I was, I, I'm not going to play them. I thought about playing them. And he does this, and you know Why? Because he's, he's seen his father do it. And he wants to be like dad. Y'all are this generation below us. They want to be like us. And if we can give them something worth following. A relationship with Jesus. Maybe they'll follow us into that. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because the truth is. Have you ever tried to herd children in a direction? I've got four children now under the age of five, and it is extremely hard to get them all to move in the same direction. If you ever see me leaving church on prayer night or Wednesday night church, it is so chaotic for us trying to get our children through those doors and into the van. It's difficult, but the reality is it's our calling to bring them to Jesus, to go to Jesus. And so I ask you this, how real is Jesus to you? Is it real enough that it moves your children to say, I want that Jesus in our lives? So that's for the parents and the grandparents. To the church, I'll say this. It is no different. You may not have children or grandchildren, but you are called to bring children to the Father. You are called to bring children to Jesus. The reality is, like I said earlier, 40% of homes are single parent. And 40% of those homes, the kids have no contact with their father whatsoever. You know that 90% of homeless people that end up homeless, 90% of them come from fatherless homes. Here's the truth. This generation needs an encounter with the father. They need an encounter with the father. And this generation is under a pandemic or whatever the word is with, with fatherless homes. And it's only increasing right now. And so you know what they need? They need to be brought to the father. So church, who's bringing them to the father? 
Who's running, who's running after school tutor programs? Who's going to the schools with child evangelism fellowship? Who's attending a sports camp that we're putting on this summer so that kids can be introduced to the father himself? Because it is in the father that they find their identity, they find love, they find hope, they find their whole lives are changed. Think of Evan. When you came to know the father, your life completely changed. And y'all have heard Evan's testimony. It's incredible. I was talking to my mother about this and she was saying, you know, she was at the women's Bible study recently in my wife, and they asked the question, they said, what is Jesus, what has God done for you? And my mother, we were talking and she said, you know, I was just thinking about God, what have you done for my life? And my mother grew up in a home where her father left her at a very young age. And there were three daughters and they're all like 13 months apart. Three daughters, 13 months apart. Her mother became an alcoholic very quickly and gave herself to men over and over again. She didn't cook or provide for them. She literally would buy candy and give them candy. I kind of got candy as a kid because of it. (laughs) And that was her life upbringing. And she said to me, you know what changed me? You know what God's done for me? I always wanted a father. And I didn't have one. And then I had a father. I came to know Jesus. I came to know the God, the Father. And he changed my life completely. Y'all, there's a generation without fathers. And we've got to get them to them. It is our responsibility, church, to storm the gates, to wage the war, because the war has already been waged with or without you. Well, let's fight. Now, I think about this with my mom. I think about the truth. It's so beautiful. It's like, because she met the father, I was given a good earthly father, and I came, and it changed my life. And here I stand. I, grew, I can tell you I grew up in a home that I was loved by my heavenly father and my earthly father. You don't know what you can do for someone's life if you would just help them come introduce them to the Father early on. So for church, let's go. Let's be the church that brings people to the Father. That's all I'm asking. Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to the one who can change lives. The second thing I want you to see in this passage is this, is that not only must we bring them, but we must invest in them. We must invest in them. To understand this point, we have to look at the disciples in the story and, and really how they value children. In this story, it's, 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 it, you see what the disciples do is the disciples react to the parents in a particular way. It says, I believe in verse 14 or verse 15, uh, 13, it says that they rebuke the parents, right? And this word here means a sharp disapproval for the parents. And they were angry with them. Why? Because they were attempting to bring the children to Jesus. But why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? Here's why the disciples thought it was a problem. Because the disciples did not value children like Jesus did. Instead, they saw children as a distraction from what they believed Jesus was supposed to be doing. They said, they're not worth investing in. Their value isn't much. You should be doing this instead. You ask, why do I say that? Because here's where it's happening in this point. Point of the story in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 11 is the triumphal entry. Jesus is about to enter in Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Do you know what happens in Jerusalem? Jesus dies. But you know what the disciples thought Jesus was going to do in Jerusalem? Bring the kingdom in military might and power. What good are these children to that cause? These children can't help us overtake, overthrow the city and set up the kingdom and overthrow Rome. They do nothing for us. They have no value to us. And so for them, they believe that this was a distraction from his main mission. But I would say this, that Jesus did not let these, these children were not a distraction whatsoever to him, but they were his mission. 
Jesus came and he came to encounter them. They did not, and so the disciples did not see how these children would fit into their agenda, their agenda or their purpose, or, and I would say their purpose for Jesus and their purpose, their own ministry. How does this children, ministering to children and investing in children fit into my ministry? I can tell you, it, 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 they're the future. They certainly are the future. I can tell you that right now. And so we have to remember that we, just like this moment right here, we have to have the heart of Jesus. And Jesus is not like the disciples. He is on the other hand, the opposite hand. Jesus didn't see these children as a distraction from his mission, but they were the part of his mission. Jesus was willing to take time from his journey to an utmost important mission to go to the cross. But ultimately, he was willing to take time because he saw the value of these children that they needed to see and encounter him. And as he would stop and love on these kids, he showed the value that he believed they were and what they meant. And thus, he was investing in their lives that they would remember for a long time. And so for us, we have to invest. We must invest. We must learn that as followers of Christ, we are to care for children. And that is true ministry. Children ministry, I'm just going to be honest, loving on children, youth ministry, it is not a distraction from quote unquote the main ministry. What goes on in Fireplace, which is the children's ministry next door to our church, is not, it's not second class ministry. It's ministry unto the king. It's ministry for the king, and it's ministry that he did himself. Think about it. Jesus spent so much time with children. He loved children, cared for children, right? And so it's not the second class thing. And so we must invest and serve. The reality is that if we don't, the world is already investing and serving, already investing into these kids. The world of Babylon is after our children heavily. I don't know if you, this is a, a, a stat that was given by the Barna Institute. I read a book. It's called Faith for Exiles. It's an incredible book on the state of young people in this world today. And they said that the average child, church child, uh, spends 2,767 hours a year on a device in comparison to 291 hours of spiritual input. That's Bible study, church, and their own time and family time. Who do you think is investing in them? The kingdom of darkness. And I'm not saying that so that means you yank all their devices. Don't, don't hear me say they can't have a device necessarily. But I am telling you this because the fact is, is that as they are, the input into their life is from this world greatly. Every time they take up that phone, because y'all probably done it yourself, you've seen it yourself, and, you, and these new little things, it's the... It's the They've shown studies that it's the most addictive thing is the little shorts, video after video. They last about 10 seconds, and they become addictive. And what happens is you just flip, flip, flip. All the, little, all the kids in here right now know exactly what I'm talking about. Flip, 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 flip. And, you know, and they find themselves seeing things, and it has algorithms that bring things in front of them that, they, that ties them to certain things. Right now, you know, this may be so strange to you. Did you know that this generation for young men is actually the most, they have more, they have more body dysmorphia than any other generation. Like, they're, they're disturbed with their bodies. You know why? Because they're all, all they see online is all these bodies they think they're supposed to look like. And so they become, rest, right? And, and you would never think this. More young men are taking steroids and stuff like that than ever before. Because of that. We don't think that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's just for the boys. Right? Not only that, girls themselves see all of this stuff online, and it destroys their identity and how they, what they think is beauty. It used to just be the magazine. Now it's everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. The, the social media is telling them this. The average child now 
looks, sees pornography before the age of 12. Before the age of 12. And many of them, many kids will never have the opportunity to be taught what sex is from their parents. Because they actually go to pornography first to learn. That's their first understanding of it. So I ask you, who's investing in these kids? Babylon. And they want them. But I'll also tell you this. They can thrive in Babylon because Daniel did. The young men were able to thrive there, but they need to be invested in. And I guarantee you, those young boys, when they were back home in Jerusalem, their families taught them and loved them. And their, their, the, the synagogue or, or, or the, the temple and everybody that was back there with them, when they invested in them, it paid dividends for when they found themselves in, in, in Babylon. And so for us, we must invest because not the world is. The reality is all the transgenderism, all of that is part of this. Children's ministry is not a distraction. It is important. Don't live like the disciples and say they're a distraction from our cause. No. In fact, I'd say this. Did you know that 70% of kids that grow up in church now leave, leave the church between the ages of 15 and 22? 70%. We're only keeping a third. We have to invest or we're going to lose them. We're going to lose them. If we don't invest, we will lose this generation. And here's the reality, is that if we don't invest in them, we're missing out on the future leaders of the church. Like, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about you, Michelle. Do you realize in our children's ministry is the next Michelle Valet, next Tanyers? No, seriously. These are people that I, when I think about First New Testament church, I think about their love and how they act and what they do in this church. The next Todd Richard very well is in that fireplace. The next Caleb Sher, who poured his life out for so many. And some of you may not know all these names, and that's fine. But these are people that I have seen and watched who have given their lives to this church and loved Christ in such a way that has challenged us. These people, these, these, the future ones of those, the Caleb Murphys, they're in our children's ministry. They're our children right now. And if we want to see them become that, we must invest in them to become that. We must pour our lives. We must not say, children's ministry is It's less than the kind of ministry I do. I don't have to have that. And so children are not a roadblock in any way, but they are called to it. This is not for me to sit here and try to tell you that every one of you need to go volunteer in fireplace. Some of you definitely don't need a volunteer in fireplace. God has not called you to volunteer in fireplace. But you are called to still engage the war. You know there's a variety of ways to engage the war. It's not just limited to volunteering in fireplace. It's not just limited to doing children's Sunday school or child evangelism fellowship or volunteering at a sports camp or promoting a sports camp, whatever it might be. There's a variety of ways. But the truth is we're all called to fight into this place. And so this leads me to my final point. Is that not only are we to bring them to Jesus, invest in them, but we, are, we must have the heart of Jesus for them. And this honestly is the most important point. Because... When you read this passage, the one thing that is abundantly clear is this. Jesus loves children. No one has to question that. No one has to guess that. There is no, it's no mistaken. It is not mistaken at all that Jesus loves children. And in fact, we see him. He becomes angry with his disciples for keeping children from him. And, he, and he's upset that they hinder the children. He wants to give the children an experience of himself. And, so it's, he t- and then he takes the children. He blesses them. And, and just, just I, love, I love the thought of this. Could you imagine Jesus... 
taking him up, because it says he takes him in his arms. Could you imagine taking him up in his arms? Could you imagine being taken up in the arms, the arms of love, in a, like the greatest arms of love, the greatest arms of kindness and joy and gentleness, the most secure arms you've ever been in? You know, people want to be secure. It's what a hug is, kind of. It's like, give me a hug so I feel secure when you have a little kid. It's like, could you imagine being in that arm, those arms, what that felt like for that child? This, this text makes it extremely clear. Jesus loves children. And so, in other words, so must we. We have to have this heart. And the reason why I say this is the most important one of them all is because if you don't have this, the other things become legalism. You do it out of guilt because pastor said so. And man, I don't want you to do that. And I know he doesn't want you to do that. I know him too well. Y'all know him. He's a man of grace. He wants everything to be driven by the spirit, not by the law, not by the flesh, and not by guilt, but by love and by the, by the fruit of the spirit that drives us to this. And so what we need is we need a heart for this young generation. We need to love them. We need to desire them. That love that they would see in Jesus, do they see it in you? They see it in me. And I'm, so many times I'm like, oh, they don't. You know, like they don't. But I want them to. Like, I, like I, I don't know if y'all know this, but Pastor Lee for years has gone, every month he would go and he'd spend time with the children and teach them in, 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 in Sunday school. Sunday, Miss Carla, help me. He won't look at me. Sunday school. <laughs> and he would teach them. And, and y'all, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but have you ever noticed how the kids love Pastor Lee? They flocked him. Why? Because he has loved them. He's invested in them. But should it just be the pastor? Should it be the church? One of the things that's so interesting, too, it talked about when it comes to kids who actually stayed, not just stayed in the church, but were, were they called them resilient disciples, really lived for Jesus after 18. The number one factor, one of the number one factors for this, which is crazy, was this, is that they had a relationship with somebody out in, in the church outside of just their family. That loved them. It made them desire to continue to follow Jesus. It's a big factor. And so is it, just, it can't just be. It's a whole church effort. It's a whole church thing. And so if we're going to do this. We have to have the heart of Jesus. We have to have a love that they see that's sincere and that's real. And so it can't be from you. It can't be us. It can't be. It has to be from God. But the question is how? How do you receive that? Here's the honest truth. This simplicity. Admit that you don't. Yeah, because you don't. I don't. Admit what the Holy Spirit says, that your heart isn't filled with love for them. And just agree with them. And then ask them to work in you. And that's called when grace gets to work. Grace goes to work when you acknowledge what God, what God has already said about your life and he begins to transform you. And you allow him to change you and work in that way. And he changes us. And then from there, when we begin to do it, it's out of the right heart that Jesus has, the kind of heart that Jesus has, that we actually love them and not out of guilt because someone told us that we had to do this. It's a work of the spirit and not a work of the flesh. And so I would say this to you right now. My prayer is this. Could we pray for this heart? Could we pray that, Jesus, you would give us the kind of heart that you have for these children, one that's genuine and it's authentic and it's not fake because kids can read you can see when you're fake. I, I, my little niece said to somebody at, at, at Easter, she said, why do you always look so mean? It wasn't me. But she said to this man, she said, why do you always look so mean? I felt so bad for the poor man. You know, but, but kids, they, they see things. Here's the truth. I pray that this church, in this church, our kids would see a congregation. And this is no offense to my pastor. 
not just a pastor, but a congregation that is authentically, that authentically loves children. And they would say, man, I'm loved here. I want to go back to church because I'm loved here. And people bring me to Jesus and they invest in my life. They help me know who he is. They disciple me in fireplace. And so what can this look like for you? This can look like so many different ways. It could look like fireplace. And I will be honest with you. you. We had 42 kids last week. You know how many volunteers we had? Four. Pray for those volunteers and pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Like I'm not, I'm not asking you to all of a sudden go run over there, but I am asking you to say this. It Could it be you? Pastor Lee's going this morning. I went two weeks ago. The pastors want to do it. We believe in it. Do you? Do you believe in children and ministry? Do you value them? Fireplace is one way. Operation Christmas Child. I was thinking about that. Maybe your role isn't fireplace. Maybe it's Operation Christmas Child. Miss Vicky leads a beautiful ministry where we have been able to get the gospel out to thousands of children over the last, how long has it been? Ten years? Five years? Ten years. Ten years we've been able to run this ministry as a church, and every year it has increased. And last year, I believe, was, I'm going to get it wrong, but it was over 450 boxes, roughly. 450 boxes with the gospel went out. Can you get involved in that? And, and I'm just going to say this too. Men, this isn't just for the women. Like, wh- where did this American mindset of men not investing children come from? Like, Jesus, your greatest example. It's like, the women do that. Where? From the scriptures, can you point that to me? The scriptures, can you point that to me? Like, I, I, I get it in American world, but in Jesus, in the Bible, it's not there at all. And I just say this, like, I was talking to Miss Vicky, and I said, who do you think brings most of the items to the Operation Christmas Child? She said, I think most of them are the women that are probably uh, 30 plus, you know, 40 plus, and they bring a lot of stuff, and it's wonderful. But I just thought, what would it be like if some men just started bringing things like crazy? And, not, and there are some that do. I'm not saying we don't do anything. But some men to step into it. Or some men to say, hey, there's some rambunctious little boys in fireplace. I will help. Because men do bring a presence and authority that God has given you into those ministries. So what do we do with it? What will we do with the authority God has given us, right? So maybe it's Operation Christmas Child. Maybe it's Child Evangelism Fellowship that Danielle's leading. And we're, we have found a school. We're getting ready to launch. We're getting ready to get into a public school or a private school. That's not, it's not a Christian school to share the gospel on a weekly basis. And it, this doesn't mean you have to do it every week, guys. Some of these could be every five weeks, every six weeks, every week if you want. It's not like you have to do it every week. Any of the people that lead these ministries will tell you that. The sports camp that's coming up, another one of these, is this. We are, we're praying for 100 to 150 kids to come to this that are not born again. That's my prayer. I'm, asking, I, I'm fine with church kids coming, but I want lost kids to hear Jesus. And we need help, not just the week of, because maybe you have no idea how to shoot a basketball but do you know how to go and, and do public, get the word out? Do you know how to go to a school and, and bring flyers? Do you, know how to do, do you know how to donate? Can you bring Cheez-Its? We need a mountain of Cheez-Its to feed these kids. Like, what can you do? There's uh, so much you can do. Can you be the, che- the cheer coach? Can you be a basketball coach? What can you do? Could it be that? In sports camp. Could it be the nursery where there are kids that need to be taken care of? That, again, is not, quote-unquote, not, not the main ministry. It's, it, it may not be what we call the main ministry. But in Jesus' eyes, it's valuable ministry. Supporting orphanages overseas through Noah Middleton and, and, and C.J. Catroni. And then the Adolam House. Or discipling and mentoring kids and 
things of that sort, and the youth. And, and then the most important, I would say, of all, intercessory prayer for them. Intercessory prayer for them. And so this is how I want to close this morning. I want to close like this. If we could have some intercessory prayer. Because the war is raging. And my heart is this, is that we as a church, and I, and I want to be very gentle here. I believe for a long time we've had a strong foundation of we did we have cared for children. But just because we've done something for a long time doesn't mean God want, doesn't want to increase it. I say this to a lot of you in here. You're relatively newer in this church within the last five years. God has brought you here to be a part of what we're doing. Not just to sit. Step into the war. And maybe children's, the children's area is part of that for you. Step into the battle with us. And fight the darkness that is trying to swallow up a generation that's in front of us. And that God has called us to serve and care for. So if you would, Ms. Carly, you can come up. If we could just stand. Maybe if you're able to stand. If you're not. Could we just stand and could we just start interceding? Could we start praying that God would move in such a way for the children? Like, y'all, if we don't do it, no one else is. Intercede. Stand in the gap. Stand on the wall and intercede for this generation. Pour your heart. Maybe you don't have the heart. Right now, ask God to align your heart to his heart, to give you his heart, to change it, to work in such a way. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you, Jesus, and we do confess, Lord. Lord, that we want to be a church that is truly engaging the mission you've called us to, engaging this war for this generation that has been under attack for so long, Jesus And Lord, that many of us, God, have engaged it, God, but some of us, and myself included at times, have fallen asleep in the middle of a battle in the war. And Lord, I haven't engaged it maybe like I should, God, but today, God, oh Lord, set my heart right. Change my heart. Help me to bring children to Jesus, my own children to Jesus, God. Oh God, and help me to invest in them. Help me not to see other church ministries more important than my own children coming to experience and knowing you. And God, give me your heart. Like, Lord, do this in us, Jesus. Help us to be this sort of church. We love you. We need you. And so right now we just pray. And so church, be vocal. Intercede. Intercessory prayer is not mumbling to God. It is groanings from the heart. Ask God to give you a groaning in your heart for these people, for these young people. It's not just children. It's the youth group too. They need you. I'm begging you as the youth pastor, please intercede for them. Because there's some I can't reach and I can't do. But the hand of God can. Actually, I can't reach any, but the hand of God can reach all of them. And so please, let's cry out right now to the Lord for this.